Sleepy Hollow is a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insights and the ability to see into dark realms. Well, maybe. Barb and Steve help decipher The Witness Prophecies, a fan podcast dedicated to Sleepy Hollow on Fox. Welcome back, sleepyheads. This is episode 27 of The Witness Prophecies. I'm Steve, and I only regret that I have but one life to give for my country. And I'm Barb, and yes, Steve, unlike the proverbial cat, you have but one life. (laughs) We're glad to be back. Today, we're going to be discussing the ninth Sleepy Hollow episode of season three entitled One Life, which was written by Albert Kim and directed by Kate Dennis. I liked this episode. What about you, Steve? Oh, I did too. It was very intense. It was, wasn't it? And it was so good to be back. Yes, it's great to have Sleepy Hollow back. It is indeed. So how would you like a little recap of the episode, Steve? Please do. Okay. The episode opens with a flashback. Inkabod Crane and Betsy Ross are on a recon mission of a British general's home. They see Nathan Hale openly spying on the house, and Betsy berates him for his foolishness. While Crane advises the young man, do not indulge in recklessness. We then jump to modern times, and a motorcycle crashes out of a barn trying to elude pursuit by armed men and then flies into the river. On the riverbank, off comes the helmet, and it's Crane, clutching a Lydian jug that he has just stolen from a bunch of apocalyptic cultists. Back at the archives, Crane explains to Jenny and Joe that this jug was used by Orpheus to locate Eurydice when she was in Hades. We learn that it has been over a month since Abby's disappearance. Crane and his archives are in complete disarray, and Jenny and Joe say they are taking the lead with a new plan to find Abby. They want Crane to get some rest. Pandora and the Hidden One are hiding in an old river mill, and the Hidden One is blaming Pandora for not being at full power. Pandora uses a remaining piece of her box to cast a summoning spell. They need to find the witness who took the eye, Abby. Crane goes back to the Trieval with the jug and attempts to cast a spell, which doesn't seem to work. He hits the jug in frustration and asks, Where are you? FBI agent Sophie Foster finds him there and tells Crane he is a person of interest in Abby's disappearance. As they leave Pandora's lair, the jug's power flows into Trieville and a face appears. Sophie tells Danny Reynolds that he needs a break, as he is also consumed with finding Abby. We learn that Sophie majored in archaeology. Crane is at home when he hears a strange noise. He goes upstairs and sees, Help me, Crane, appear in the mirror's dust. An arm tries to pull him through the mirror, then all but disappears, but he has a mark branded on his arm. He receives a call from Sophie, and she accuses him of writing, Help me, Crane, on her apartment floor. He arrives at her place, and she also has a brand on her arm, the mirror image of his. As they put their brands together, a ghostly apparition appears and enters Crane's body. He sees images of Abby. They learn that the symbol means gateway and surmise that Abby wants them to build a gateway with a mirror so that she can return. Crane recites a spell, goes through the mirror. Sophie tethers him with a rope to the real world, and he returns with an Onroyo, a Japanese vengeance demon that tries to kill them. They attack and it flees. Later, Sophie advises Crane that this demon killed someone and asks for Crane's help. 
Sophie reveals that her parents were archaeologists and died mysteriously. She also surmises that the demon is killing people who are desperate. Perhaps one's desperate to find Abby. She says they need to go get Danny, who is in his cabin in the woods. Jenny and Joe are searching for a map of a 19th century Russian occultist, Helena Blavatsky, which supposedly allowed her to track demonic presences. Jenny discovers that Randall has it, meets him, picks his pocket to get his phone, and that leads them to the storage facility where the map is located. They find the map, but Randall and his thugs find Jenny and Joe. Joe is taken outside the locker, and Jenny hears a gunshot. She fears the worst until Joe returns, holding Randall at bay with his gun, and they leave with the map. At the cabin, the demon stalks Danny to find Crane instead. They trap the demon in the mirror and break it, preventing the demon from returning. Danny was safe, having been lured away from the cabin by Sophie, who told him that he was needed back in Sleepy Hollow for a case. Safely away, Jenny confesses her fear of losing the people she loves and then tells Joe that she loves him. They kiss. In the archives, Crane recalls Nathan Hale being hung as a spy and Betsy's words, that they couldn't save their partner Hale because it would cause others to lose their lives, that not all partners can be saved, and that they must continue their mission. Crane tells Sophie that he must continue his mission of finding Pandora and the Hidden One. Jenny and Joe arrive, are surprised to see Sophie, and then show them both the map. It shows them that supernatural creatures from all over the world are converging on Sleepy Hollow, and they realize Pandora has summoned them. They realize that they need to kick some demon posterior. In a cave-like tunnel, we see Abby lying on the ground. She is alive and looks around trying to determine where she is. And then it ends. Yes, at least we know Abby is alive. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing, too, because... This show wouldn't be Sleepy Hollow without Abby. No, and there was very little doubt that she wouldn't be alive, but it's nice to see her. Yeah, it was hard having an episode without Abby, and we can talk about that later. Yes. But I, but I think first you probably have some news for us, don't you, Steve? Yes, I do. Even though Fox is no longer reporting live plus same-day numbers, we still are. <laughs> <laughs> Or you know where to find them. Yes, I know where to find them. And uh, last night's episode had 3.13 million viewers, which was up compared to the mid-season finale. And we had a .9 rating and a 3 share in adults 18 to 49. So solid numbers. We didn't drop any. Actually, we rose up some compared to where we were when we left off in the falls. So Way to go, sleepyheads. So I'm... I'm knocking on wood there and hoping that the Friday night curse doesn't exist for Sleepy Hollow. Absolutely. And in comparison, we had the same rating and share as Grimm did an hour later. Now, they did pull in about a million more viewers, but the same rating and share. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how the Live Plus 7 numbers come out for this. It was a nice start for the first Friday night. Yes, it was. Very strong. So, Steve, what kind of rating did you give this episode? Well, I gave it 8.5 fried lasagnas. That looks so unappealing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks like something they would try at the Texas State Fair. They're always frying something. You're right. They do that at all the state fairs, and that's just gross. Yes. (laughs) Well, I gave it 7.5 shattered mirrors. Nice. And I I did mark it down a little bit because I really missed Abby. 
I yes. liked the story, but only giving me a smidgen of Abby just wasn't enough. Right. And I think I rated mine probably a little higher strictly because of Crane. And we'll get into that a little later. So do you have some discussion about our team tribulation? We saw Pandora and the Hidden One, and they are back. Yes, they seem to have survived rather well, except for the Hidden One, who is more than despondent about not being able to be fully powered and relegated to parlor tricks, as he puts it. Well, throwing that great big mill wheel across the room seems a little bit more than a parlor trick to me. Yeah, but with the way he once again stated that humanity is basically a plague on the earth and that it must be eliminated, he really wants to take everybody out. It seems like it. Yes. His whole goal in all of this is to just eliminate humanity completely. So when we first saw The Hidden One last November, I thought he was rather narcissistic. And I will say that watching this episode, I thought he was a bit like a spoiled brat. Yes. Gimme, gimme, gimme now. Make me powerful. Make me powerful. Give it to me now. And otherwise, it's all your fault. Oh, I know. Wasn't that tacky? (laughs) And basically tells Pandora that you're going to burn if you don't get this fixed real quick. Okay, so she just brought him back from... How long was he asleep? Millennia. Exactly. And supposedly, they're so much in love. Mm-hmm. And he starts, it's not, I'm so happy to see you. You're the most wonderful thing since sliced bread. I'm going to just start nagging on you. Right. Pandora needs a divorce. Quickly. Yeah, no kidding. But she does have a plan, and it includes a piece of the box that she was able to discover and find in the wreckage, and basically places a spell on it, which causes it to be an evil homing beacon. Now I will nice t- little trick. <laughs> it was a nice trick, but I will tell you I was surprised because you know, she and the hidden one had to vamoose and get out of there. So I was thinking, well, when did she get that piece of the box? Because I would have thought that our heroes would have scoured that place. But then I recalled that they were injured, and so they probably needed immediate medical treatment. And so she most likely had an opportunity to get back and search the place for any pieces of her box because she understood the power of the box. Right. And I don't know that they would have understood that even if it was broken or shattered, because Crane certainly saw that occur, that it would still have power. So I was willing to let that one go. I thought that that was probably reasonable. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Team Witness, Barb. So we have good old Jenny and Joe. And Jenny... The first time that we see her is with Crane in the archives. He's very frantic, obviously, to find Abby. But she reminded him that he was not the only one that was hurting, that Abby sacrificed herself for Jenny. And that's huge for Jenny. Absolutely is. And it was Crane being frantic and good old slip of the tongue saying, I have to find Abby. And I was afraid Jenny might just go off on him, but she didn't. She backed down. Yes. I think that that says something to how far Jenny has come, that she really does feel the love and the support of her family and her friends at this point, and she's forgiving more easily. Yeah, there's little doubt that she has come a long way since we first met her in season one, and she tries not to open up and let everybody know how she really feels about them, but you can tell it's there. 
Yes, her toughness has always been her her protection, her outer layer, right. her shell, her wall. <laughs> exactly. And so it's interesting as we watch this episode to see that she is reverting back to what she knows how to do best, which is finding the artifacts and being tough. She tried to put up that front with Joe, but he realized immediately what she was doing. Yes, he and, did. Uh-huh, and he's like, uh-uh, no way, stop. This is your denial, and you need to open up because things may not turn out the way you want them to. We may not get Abby. And I don't think he was trying to be pessimistic. I think he was just trying to get her to open up to him. And they have this wonderful connection. They had it last season. And he just wants to try and break that barrier. I agree. Yeah. And I'm not sure that mentioning Abby was quite the best way to go about it, though. That's all right. We've seen that Joe has a bit to learn, but he was very sensitive to her. Uh, yes, I mean, it, he was. It, it's so clear that they're a great match, as we saw later. Yes. Now, what I thought was interesting that as Crane is apparently looking for every artifact to bring back Abby, and so Jenny and Joe, I think, are listening to him, but they're, they've come to the conclusion that, hey, if we bring back Pandora and the Hidden One, if we find the bad guys, we might find Abby, which I thought right. was an interesting take. Yes, it was a completely different way to attack the problem than what Crane had been has been going at it. So it was nice to see Jenny come up with an alternate plan as a means to trying to find Abby. And because she's, as we see, Crane's getting more and more reckless with his plans. Yeah, and I think that Jenny and Joe were trying to be a little bit more precise, um, a little more surgical. Now, they were right. trying to think through what is it that we have to do, and it, which is actually very smart because Jenny clearly realizes that Pandora and the Hidden One needed the power that had been in Jenny from the Shard. And then when Abby pulled it all out and she took it with her, I think Jenny would, would be the one to realize that the Hidden One probably doesn't have all those powers, and that's why they have to find Pandora and the Hidden One, because they're probably going to look for Abby. Yes. So kudos to Jenny for probably putting all of that together, even though they did not articulate that in the episode. And so how did uh, Jenny and Joe go about getting this map? Uh, well, that's they uh, first of all went to back to uh, one of Jenny's old hotspots for obtaining artifacts, where her contact told her there that after Atticus Nevins died, all of his stuff was taken by other artifact collectors and hunters as they swooped down and kind of like vultures, kind of picking the yes. bones, taking the goods. And she found out that her old buddy Randall, whom they left handcuffed early, <laughs> earlier in the season, <laughs> and he actually managed to get away, get out of those handcuffs. And there he was sitting in a nice little, what, nightclub, I guess, with all right. the ladies around, with all his bodyguards around. And so she plays up to him, takes his phone, and she's the one who's smart enough to see who he has been calling and realizes that there's a storage locker there that he's called, what, three times in the past three months? And so off she goes, or three times in the past month, and off she goes to go get the key. And sure enough, there's the map. So our Jenny is very smart about how she acquires her antiquities. Now, what I think was funny was Joe saying that he'd sure like to know about some of her adventures. And she basically told him there wasn't anything to tell, but we know there is. Yes. And when she almost lost him, when Randall came back with the gun and we heard the gunshot, and I think we all knew that Joe wouldn't be dead, but my heart skipped a beat at that moment. I thought, uh-oh, because yes. it was two against one, and they had him, what, in a neck lock, I think. Yeah, headlock, and yep. yeah, it was not looking good, and you have to give Lindsay 
kudos because you saw the pain on her face immediately. Oh, the fear? Yes. Oh, I know. She did an outstanding job with that scene. Her face conveyed every emotion. And you couldn't help but feel her pain. No, not in the least. And you felt it too, sitting there. You thought, oh no, just for that minute. Oh no, no. But he was okay. And they got the map. Randall's left empty-handed again. I think Joe cocked him this time instead of uh, handcuffing him anywhere. Hit him with a gun. And when they got back to Jenny's trailer, finally, she admitted her fear. Her fear of losing her sister, that she lost her father, she lost her mother, and she almost lost Joe. And when she said, and I almost lost someone else that I love, and his eyes went, the light bulb went off, and he went (laughs) boing, and he was there in one step, and he grabbed her, and he kissed her, and I thought, good for you. Yeah, he did not miss that signal at all. And the shippers went wild. Yes. Yeah, you'll have to tell me if Twitter lit up for that one or not, since, you know, I'm in that strange time zone and I have to watch this much later than everybody else. Yes, it did light up pretty good for that. Very good. And, you know, and I can imagine for Jenny how difficult it would be for her. I mean, she's lost so much. Yes. And so she's gotten hope. You know, she's reestablished this relationship with her sister who came to save her from the mental institution. And then her sister sacrificed herself for Jenny, and she'd lost her mother, or she'd lost her father, and here she has this hope. She has this hope with a relationship with Abby, hope with a relationship with Joe, and if her hopes got dashed again, that could be so overwhelming for her. Yes, it would. So That would be the one thing that would push her back over the edge again. Yeah, see, I think something like that would do it, too. Oh, yeah. This is hard for her, but now that she knows that she's got Joe firmly in her court and they are a partner and he said that he wasn't leaving her. So it was really touching to watch. And I think that the writers have developed their story so beautifully this season and that it felt so natural. Yes, it wasn't forced. It occurred in a situation where you would expect it to occur. Very realistic and very, very well done. And I really think that that and all the dialogue that they had between them as each scene moved forward, I think all of that combined was probably my favorite part of this episode. I definitely can understand that point of view, and I know I enjoyed it immensely as well. They're not our only team witness. Oh, no. And Ichabod is what enthralled me in this episode because he is frantic. He is having an impossible time dealing with the loss of Abby. It was great that we start with the flashback and he tells Nathan Hale not to be reckless and boom, you see him on the motorbike (laughs) doing exactly what he said not to do. As soon as we saw that motorcycle come exploding out of the side of the barn, I thought, that's Crane. Uh (laughs) And it was. (laughs) Yeah, there was no doubt in my mind that was Crane. (laughs) Oh, I was glad to see that the helmet didn't mess up his hair too badly, though. (laughs) It's gotten a little shorter. Yeah, no helmet head. Right. To me, he appeared to be more frazzled and out of place than he was when he first showed up in Sleepy Hollow. I agree. He was totally lost without Abby being there. Frantic. Frazzled. And not thinking things through, i.e. the mirror. Mm -hmm. and. Just the way Jenny expressed that pain when she heard the gunshot, 
you saw that in Ichabod's eyes all episode long. Yeah, she really did. And it, Tom Meissen just did a fantastic job of acting in this episode because you were right there with him and feeling all his pain and anguish and frustration and desperation to get Abby back. And very disjointed as if he just didn't know which way to turn. And I think you could see that in his archives. Yes. It was a mess. He couldn't find anything. No. Things were all over the place. They were not put away. They were scattered. And normally we've seen him. He thinks of something. He goes to the shelf. He pulls out the book. He looks it up and he immediately comes back with the answer. And here he was, he was all over the place. Yeah. Had books all laying out all over the place and trying to find the one, the right one. And And I think that's exactly how he would behave. So again, an excellent job by the writers of portraying how Ichabod would be when Abby is gone. Now, I was surprised about one thing, that it had only been a month. Right. Uh, We really had speculated that it was going to be longer than that. Yeah, we thought it was going to be three months. So again, one of my predictions is wrong. Now, he really falls for a spiritual con job. Oh, he did, didn't he? (laughs) Big time. Because that demon did everything to heighten his frustration and his desire to find her. Mm-hmm. How the man has ate over the last month, who knows, because frying lasagna just... It's gross. Yes. But he hears the, the noise upstairs, and so he starts up the stairs, and the first thing he finds is a piece of lingerie of Abby's. So, okay, so <laughs> did he want that to be there? Was that in the back of his mind, and the shippers are screaming, yes, because that might convey something. <clears throat> it was probably... Two things. Yes, the writers threw that little touch in to get that reaction from the shippers, but it was also the demon's way of almost convincing him that, yes, Abby is trying to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, he goes up in the mirror, says, help me, Crane. And you would think when the arm comes out and tries to drag him through the mirror, uh, maybe that's not Abby. Yeah. (laughs) And I will have to admit, at first, I thought perhaps it really was Abby trying to communicate. Right. But of course, as the show went on, it's like, okay, no, this is this has been the demon the entire time. Right. Almost in a way like a, was it the whispering wraith that was getting all of the secrets mm-hmm. and collecting secrets? Yes. And so, you know, is it very possible that this demon that he has managed to summon up using these spells from a book that he probably shouldn't be using? Yes. And so this demon had some of that same type of power that she was able to read the things in his mind and give back to him some of those images of Abby as well, which were very poignant. Right. But the very last one of Abby's face is a little distorted. And that's where I knew immediately, uh, no, Crane, you're not on the right track here. <laughs> How on earth did he survive for over a month anyway? I don't know. (laughs) No clue uh, how he managed to not get himself killed. He reads everything, but he didn't read the instructions on the box. But again, perhaps that just (laughs) speaks to his state of mind. He was so frazzled that this was something minor, and he was accustomed to cooking things in a skillet on an open flame, and poof, there went the the block of frozen lasagna. Yeah. (laughs) That, again, yuck. Yeah, exactly. Now, of course, we did see a tweet out there about Ichabod uh, turning off 
the stove before he went upstairs. Why why wasn't the house burnt down and one of the um I don't know if it was Chad Clifton or maybe uh one of the right Kim actually said no, he actually did turn it off before he headed up. But one of the uppity ups up there uh did take up for Crane in that spot. <laughs> well, and even if he hadn't, quite frankly, he wasn't up there long enough for anything to catch fire. Uh, no. Sorry, no. trust Frozen me. Frozen lasagna wouldn't <laughs> it would not. And trust me, I know. My elderly parent, once upon a time, used to burn things on the stove, so I know how long it can take. He had plenty of time. Now, we get Sparky involved. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is that what you're going to call her now? I might, yep. (laughs) Sparky. Uh, Sophie uh, ends up having the same thing happen to her, and of course blames it on Crane. Which makes a whole lot of sense. That, the, I know. I thought that was a bit of a stretch. But then again, but who would leave something like that on her floor? Right. I mean, she doesn't know Crane. No. From Adam. So I can understand her thinking that, yes, because I'm following him around, he's going to try to do something to get back at me. And I will tell you that the thing that surprised me about Sophie in this episode is that when we have seen her previously, she was a bit more threatening a bit smarter on her feet, very quick. And she seemed to be a little bit more intelligent. And I would say in this episode, she also seemed to be a little bit more frazzled and unsettled. Maybe it is because of what we learned about her parents and because of what she may have at least witnessed some of with Atticus turning into a puddle of blood. Right. And maybe that has spooked her a bit. I expected her to be a little bit more buttoned up professional getting down to business. But if I ruminate about it, then I think that that's probably what was driving some of her actions. Right. And that was another thing that was discussed on Twitter was her reaction to the dealing with the demon and it not getting to her as much as people expected. And Chad Clifton, the showrunner, actually tweeted out that the scene where she basically loses it about all of this ended up on the cutting room floor okay so maybe when the dvd comes out that'll be a deleted scene that we'll get to see although i will tell you if i rolled back my sleeve and i saw some kind of branding mark on there and i had no idea how it got there i would probably be pretty freaked out myself yes from there <laughs> forward mm-hmm. and especially if you match that mark with crane and all of a sudden things happen yes And we did get to find out that, yes, she does have some knowledge because she knew the old Greek dialect of the spell that he was trying to cast at the Treval with the brands. She goes, they're mirrors of each other. Mm -hmm. So that was what got Crane to thinking of the mirror is the gateway. So there was a couple of times where when we're used to seeing Abby pull out that minute little detail that happens to be a big clue it actually ended up being sophie this time yes and And nobody wants to get used to no they don't do they (laughs) no but what i think that what was interesting is that when we really saw the sparks fly last season when they threw each other up against the wall right i didn't feel as much of the spark in this episode and i think they blend well together they were working well together but i didn't feel as much of the spark what about you I didn't as much either, but there were a couple of times where Crane would mention Abby 
and they would cut to her face and it looked like there was a little bit of hurt in her eyes. So I'm not sure if it was her feeling something for him or just trying to sympathize with what he's going through. I I couldn't tell. Or she's got two handsome men around her, both Danny and and Crane, who are both both very concerned about Abby and there's no one that she has where she can have that relationship and have that discussion with. Exactly. But she's a smart, savvy, intelligent, attractive woman, and she should. So Yes, I think we're, we will have a new member of Team Witness going forward. We will for a while. Yes, how long it lasts, we shall see. Exactly. Now, of course, as they're going to one of the crime scenes and they find another person is being killed even further away. It doesn't make any sense to Crane because he's going, well, you would think desperation, you would want to stay in town and instead it's moving away. And of course, Sophie figures out that no, it's desperation to find Abby is what this demon has keyed in on and knows that Danny is taking a sabbatical in the cabin in the woods. Uh Uh-huh. And that was very smart on her part to figure that out. Yes. As that's going on, I'm thinking, no, could that be Daddy Mills? Oh. That was my first thought was, oh, maybe he's heading toward Daddy Mills, even though Daddy Mills may not know that his daughter has disappeared. But when she goes, I know who it's after, and they cut to Danny in the cabin, you go, oh, okay, it's Danny, not... (laughs) Okay. But during the car ride, Crane does admit how important... Abby is to him. And I think the crowd went wild. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was almost an admission of love without him saying the word as far as the shippers were concerned. (laughs) The very deepest of friendship, the very deepest of partnerships. And maybe in a way it was. Yes. Um, And my better half. That's normally what you call your soulmate, uh-huh. not your partner. Yes. And then finally, at the end of the episode, after the trapping the monster back in the mirror was probably one of the best executed plans that we've seen for a while. It was so fast that I had to go back and watch it about two or three times. It was fast, but it was brilliant. Yes. Because here, the demon thought that she was going after Danny. Because she feeds off desperation. Surprise, surprise, she sees Crane, who shoots at her to force her back, going down the hallway, where she believes she sees Sophie, and instead it's the mirror image of Sophie, who's hiding behind the door, and they trick her into running right back into the mirror. And then, kaboom, shattered, trapped again. So they didn't kill this monster. No. They just sent her back to where... She had wherever she came from. Yep. (laughs) But extremely well done. I thought, wow, that was good. Mm -hmm. And most of Crane's plans don't work out that well. There's always something (laughs) going wrong with one part of it. And that one was flawless. Yeah. And Abby had been there to to rescue him. Right. Of course, they broke the mirror. So I hope that 13 years of bad luck isn't uh, in their future. (laughs) Exactly. Now, it was very curious that we go back to the past and see that Nathan Hale has been caught, he's being hung, and Crane wants to do something to save him. 
And Betsy is basically saying, no, if you do something, it's going to cause more people to lose their lives. Sometimes you just have to let a partner go. Terrible thing for him to hear at the time and a terrible thing for him to remember. Yes. And basically, he closes out the episode with saying that he needs to focus on stopping Pandora and the Hidden One. Back to their original mission. Yes. So... That kind of threw me off a little bit. I guess he did need something to kind of anchor him again. And maybe that was remembering that flashback was what was able to help him anchor himself again. Well, he saw Nathan Hale's picture on the front of the book. book. And then he remembered and associated his work with Betsy. And that's what made him think about it and think about, I am the witness. I am the remaining witness. Maybe yes. I am, maybe I'm not. Right. And I'm going to still but keep the mission working. has to continue. Yes. I'm going to do the work that we need to do. I need to find Abby, but we need to go back and get Pandora and the Hidden One because we know that whatever they're plotting, it's a very terrible thing. Yes, it is. So stop them. All the monsters in <laughs> the entire world are about to converge on Sleepy Hollow. That's not a good thing. <laughs> no, not particularly. You might want to um, pack up, take a little vacation, head out of town for a while. <laughs> Monsters galore. All right. What about Miss Abby, Barb? Well, we just didn't get enough of Abby. Um, no, we didn't. I know. And I really miss her. I, I really miss the dynamic that she brings to the show. And it's it was a very solid show. And I did enjoy it. But I really missed Abby. And again, you know, we talked earlier that Abby's been gone for one month. and it. It really felt, though, as if she were going to be gone longer than that, but she wasn't. And I think that what surprised me is when we saw that final scene and Abby is on the ground and she's just waking up from her little Treville sacrifice. So then I began to wonder, okay, is this a flashback from a month ago when she originally fell through the tree? Uh, Was she out cold for a month? Or do we have some type of time, space, wormhole difference that is occurring here, right? Exactly. So since we know that my predictions are always wrong, I'm guessing (laughs) that this is a flashback and we're going to watch her explore her new world next week as she tries to determine where she is and what she needs to do. To get back. What do you think? I think I tend to agree with you there. I think seeing her wake up was shortly after the explosion and that, yes, she's also trying to find a way back and we will see some of that in next week's episode before they actually rescue her. Yeah. Well, gee, thanks for being my partner and having my back there and agreeing with me, Steve. <laughs> we may go, we may both go down on my prediction together here, okay? That's right. All <laughs> so, right. There's a couple of other items I want to bring up about this episode, and basically it's the flashback. Okay. Betsy Ross was a little bit of a... Tough chick? Yeah, a little ruthless. Mm-hmm. She sees Hale with his spy glasses 10 feet away from the gate. Now, granted, Hale deserved that beratement. Poor Nathan Hale. Yeah, you could tell he was definitely a rookie in the spy game. Now, we've seen Betsy Ross has been portrayed here this whole entire season as one of Washington's key spies, right? Yes. And working for him. And so we've seen her in a number of different circumstances where she uses her intelligence and her wits to get through situations. And we saw her 
slammed the door on Crane when her nephew, right, yes. was, had to be taken care of by Paul Revere. We've seen her leading men out of New York um, at the time of the Great Fire when the British were invading. We have seen her try and con the general and then end up, what, jumping in the horse cart and saying, Crane, get in and getting him out of there. So she has plenty of moxie. Mm -hmm. But I think that you're right. I think this is the first time where we just heard her say, this is what it is. And not everybody's going to get saved. And we have a mission and the mission is bigger than the people. And that was something that from everything that we've seen of her so far was quite different than than that. I mean, because you see her trying to save people and all this, but this time it's no, you just got to let it go. And the mission's the priority. And you just go, that's a side of Betsy that we hadn't seen before. Well, and to be fair, if you looked all around, there were nothing but redcoats. Oh, yeah. They were in enemy territory. Nathan Hale was going to be hung. The two of them would not have escaped with their life. All three of them would have died. Yes. You couldn't argue with the logic. It may have been she cruel. She was absolutely right. It was just, maybe it was the harshness of the way she said it that stuck with Crane. What'll be interesting is, will we see a future flashback where Crane and Ross kind of go their separate ways because of that? Well, that's a possibility because he would be meeting and marrying Katrina here very shortly because that was 1776. Yes. And I think Katrina did soften him somewhat. Uh, He knew that the fight was important, but so were the people. Right. Well, maybe we'll see that in a future episode. Yep. Hopefully. All right. Shall we get into theories and prophecies? Yeah. I was going to say, speaking of the future, where on earth is Abby? That wasn't the greatest picture that we had of that place. I mean, there were lights coming in. It was kind of catacomb-like. It it was more catacomb almost than tunnels, but yeah, maybe it was partially tunnels. But it wasn't like anything we've seen before. No. And if the hidden one had been in a pyramid, for example, it didn't look like a pyramid with pyramid passages. Otherwise, I don't think you would have had those bright lights. Very true. So the question is, where on earth is Abby? And I'm really scratching my head on this one. Yeah, I haven't been able to come up with anything that makes any sense yet. No. And what I'm thinking is that, and we talked about this, that she's probably going to be exploring her lair next week. And I think that they're going to get her out before the end of February, before the end of the sweeps period. So that basically gives them four episodes to get her out. We've got monsters coming. Right. And I think they'll get her out before we have the full-on onslaught of monsters. Well, I think they're going to need her. I think they're going to yeah, need everyone they're, they're, for that. Yes. And that's why I think they'll get her back because she's too valuable in being able to uh, fight this horde of monsters. So I wonder how many monsters are coming to Sleepy Hollow. I wonder what a horde of monsters is. How, yeah. how, many, that, how many that adds up to. Right. Is it going to be a, a gaggle of Walking Dead or... Uh... <laughs> No, we saw the militia zombies. They were pretty cool. Yes. General General House militia zombies. They were so neat. Well, you know, that makes me wonder if with all these monsters, will we see some that have been vanquished but not necessarily destroyed? Will they come back? Will we see some of our old faves, maybe? It's very possible and actually very likely. And it may not be one that was bad to begin with. 
Well, that would leave quite a few of them. I'm going to have to go back and take a look now and see if if I can decide what monsters I'd like to see come back. Yes. (laughs) We can start a little pool. There we go. How do you think Sophie's going to interact with Team Witness, Steve? Well, I actually think she will fit in, but, you know, I think Crane has accepted her. But I think it's going to take a while probably for Jenny and Joe, too, as well. They sure showed her the map pretty quickly. They did. Jenny's face, when they first walked in and saw Sophie there, it was like, whoa. Yeah, what's she doing here? Yeah, how dare you let her in here? Exactly. (laughs) This is our place. Well, you know, too, stop and think about it. I mean, she was trying to thwart them. She held a gun to them. So I can't say that I blame them at all for that. No, People especially don't... Jenny. Uh, no, yes, exactly, because she is slow to trust. Yes. I think the, the Jennies will be the one that burns the slowest to uh, accept as a member of Team Witness. I think Jenny will keep her eyes on Sophie at all times. And now we had Betsy Ross's words that we've discussed. Yes. That, you know, not all of your partners are going to survive, but that the mission has to continue on. And what made, and we know the things that we hear in the first act, you end up hearing in the last act, right? Mm-hmm, okay. Exactly. So just because we heard it at the beginning, at the end of this episode, doesn't mean that we won't hear it again. So I was thinking that perhaps this may be some foreboding for Sophie. Maybe she's going to die at the end of the season, either saving Abby or Crane. What do you think about that? I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Normally, that's kind of the way. Most uh, stories go is they bring a character in and finally show that they're actually not the bad guy after everybody believes they're the bad guy. And now that she's kind of into Team Witness, I can see her getting killed off. They won't have an exit like Holly's where he's got to go chase his adopted mother around the world. (laughs) (laughs) Very creepy. Yeah. If we're going to lose one of Team Witness this season, it probably will be Sophie. Now, one of the things that I think the writers did that was incredibly intelligent, although I I will say that I have read some negative comments about this uh, here this morning, and that's the fact that Sophie has an archaeological background and her parents were archaeologists. And and that her parents were allegedly killed by demons while they were on the Mayan dig. And people were saying, oh, that's too convenient. That just blah, blah, blah. But then you stop and you really think about that and you say, well, wait a minute. It was probably her archaeological background that helped her snag that undercover assignment with Atticus Nevins, right? Because he was collecting artifacts. So that makes all the sense in the world. Yes, it does. And it gave her a very valid reason to become more integrated with Team Witness because she understands some of this stuff. And it makes sense why then Sophie would be given the nod over Abby to participate in the sting because Mm -hmm. she can speak that language. She knows the stuff. And I thought that is an incredibly intelligent tie-in. But but I did see people kind of like, belly aching about it. Yeah, I'm like, no, no. Yeah, I think I tweeted out to uh, Jessica and Sleepy Hollow Fox that is uh, Sophie's dad, Indiana Jones. I love that show. But I think that it was incredibly brilliant and it made all the sense in the world. And I give kudos to the writers for putting that in there. I think that it helps round out very nicely why Sophie has a presence here, why she had a presence in the first half of the season, 
and why it makes all the more sense for her to be here now. Right. So excellent job by the writers on that one. Yes, and being able to contribute. Absolutely. Not just being shocked that, oh my God, I'm seeing a demon from hell. I can actually be a productive uh, member of the team. Yeah, exactly. Well, not only that, but she had heard the rumors about her parents. Right. But she didn't know if it was true or not. No. And now this experience is going to help give her closure on an issue that has obviously plagued her for a number of years. Yes. So very nice. So speaking of monsters, your buddy Pandora and the <laughs> hidden one. So the hidden one wants to get rid of humanity in the world. What was That's his, what was his what quote? I'm thinking. What, yeah. was that, what was that quote he made? Humanity has spread unchecked across this world, ravishing it like locusts. Oh, that's an attractive picture. Let me look and see if I've sprouted icky wings and have lucky, icky little feelers on my body, right? Right. Oh, <laughs> I'm a locust. That's great. Thank you for that, the hidden one. Yeah, there, after that line, that convinced me that, yes, he's not planning on having any humans left when he's done with doing what he wants to do. So There Rit- will be nothing but wild animals and him and Pandora. And those demons that he's getting asking to help him out. So riddle me this, Batman. Why on earth would he and Pandora be calling demons and monsters to help them instead of his fellow gods? Or maybe they're just as narcissistic as he is. I'm sure they are. But the calling of all the demons is for his power. What, is he going to suck it away from them? Is Pandora going to take all the power out of them? Is that what you think is going to happen? Because I was trying to determine what what purpose would the demons play? Yes, that is what I believe is going to happen, is all their power is going to be used to get his power up to the level that they want it to be. Because that's the way Pandora was doing it the first part of the season. Well, she was using. She would draw energy, you know, draw a demon in to pull some kind of energy out that she could use. Well, she created. Well, she would incant a spell, and and the demon would come out of her box. Right. And so now she has no box, although the box has power. So to me, it does the hidden one have to help build or craft her or create for her the rest of her box so she can contain the power? Then so because otherwise. Well, maybe she can take all their energy and put it back into the lid of the box, but right. it seems like they have to capture the power of the demons. And I guess the demons then must not be too bright if they're going to come <laughs> and allow their power to be taken away from them. Or maybe they can't right. help it. Maybe this incantation forces them to do things that they may not wish to do. Yep. Maybe we'll have a demon revolt. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and the demons are going to change side, and they're going to help the witnesses. And then the witnesses are going to have to figure out how to harness them so that then the demons don't turn against Sleepy Hollow. Well, this could be mm-hmm. very interesting. Yes. We could take this in all kinds of directions. Oh, yes, we could. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, what I'm seeing in my head right now is just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just awesome. And I hope they pull it off. Well, I'll tell you what. If all the demons are con- going to converge on Sleepy Hollow, I'm glad they at least gave Corey Castellano a couple months warning here. So yes. that he can either reassemble all the old demon costumes or he can begin creating all the new demons and monsters that they're going to need as they all converge on screen together. Yes, it 
having a second or third episode be have that many monsters in it, yes, it was very nice of them to give him at least a couple of months to prepare. I think he's going <laughs> to need it. Yes. <laughs> but he's so creative, I can't wait to see what else we might have. Or even some of our old favorites. Yes, I think we will see at least one of our old favorites. So this really does seem to be the spring focus. Pandora and the Hidden One and their plan to destroy humanity, to return the Earth to a, what, less developed time? Yes. And then how Team Witness is going to save the Earth. Yep, that's what we're where we're headed, I believe. Yeah, and in a kind of a scary way, because I really, I don't want the series to end this year. No. Neither one of us do. No. But with something that is that big, it seems that the writers are planning in a way to make it either a season or a series finale if it comes to that. And again, we all want to watch. We don't want that. But that would be a, a pretty big ending. So Yes, it would. So regardless, I think that we're in for a great ride for the second half of this season. I completely agree. So Steve, what words of wisdom did Ichabod have for us this week? Well, he did have a few. Not as many as we normally have because of his mental state of being, but contrary to accounts in colonial pamphlets, British soldiers are not stupid. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes, and two important things to learn, patience and caution. Yeah, he displayed that real well, didn't he? Uh, yeah, and that was a couple of things that his advice to Nathan, he was not going by <laughs> in this episode. Yes, do as I say, not say no. as I do. <laughs> Yes. Unlike the proverbial cat, you have but one life. That is very true. And of course, we said it before, do not indulge in recklessness and boom, the motorcycle comes flying. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Down and into the river, kaboom. <laughs> right. And I could use a little respite yeah. <laughs> instead of respite. It's in, rest spite. <laughs> it, and I don't know if that was something... From his time, because, of course, some words were pronounced differently, but that right. was interesting. Yes. And if that particular Ithacate reference means I was duped, then yes, you are correct. And he was duped. <laughs> yes. You've been catfished. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, I believe if the lieutenant were here, she would urge us to kick some demon ass. Yeah, are we allowed to say that word on this podcast? I think we, <laughs> we just did. <laughs> Worked and fought alongside many people in my time. It was only recently that I truly understood what a partner is, what it means to have someone who makes you more than you are simply by being by your side. Truly, your better half. And that had to be the most poignant and heartbreaking line of the episode. Yes. And will he actually tell Abby that when they get her back? Yes. Oh, maybe I should say no, because my predictions are always wrong. If I say no, then it will happen. <laughs> okay, let me say no on that one, and then it'll happen. Okay. I don't, I don't want to upset the fan base. Uh, yeah. All right. You got a history lesson for us this week, Barb? Yes, I do. I looked into good old Nathan Hale and his final words, because poor Nathan Hale, he he kind of appeared to be a bit reckless and inexperienced in this episode, but in reality, he was a very highly intelligent young man. So at the age of 14, he was sent with his older brother to Yale College. He graduated with first-class honors in 1773 at the age of 18, and then he became a teacher. 
When the Revolutionary War began in 1775, he joined a Connecticut militia and was elected a first lieutenant within five months. So Nathan Hale would have been a little bit smarter, I think, than looking with an eyeglass barely hidden away. Yes. He he was a smart, he may have been young, but he was smart. Now, on September the 8th, 1776, Hale volunteered to go behind enemy lines into New York City and report on the British troop movements. Now, we've discussed this period of history previously on this podcast, when New York fell to the British and the September 21st Great New York Fire. Now, there are two theories as to how Nathan Hale was captured. One is that he was recognized in a tavern despite his disguise, and he was tricked into admitting that he was a patriot. And the second theory is that his loyalist cousin, Samuel Hale, revealed his identity. Either way, he was captured on September the 21st, the day of the fire, and he was hung on the morning of September 22nd after being denied access to a Bible and then to a clergyman, which was really rotten of the British to do that. He was only 21 years old. Now, his last words were purported to be, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. It was reported that he was composed and that he spoke eloquently prior to his hanging. Now, there are several versions of Hale's words based on accounts of his death, and it is likely that these accounts may have been embellished just a little bit to help drive support for the revolutionary effort. He probably spoke more than this one line for which he has become famous, and it's thought that some of his final words were actually a quote from a popular 18th century play, Cato, written by Joseph Addison. Now, Nathan Hale was familiar with this work, and he quoted it in some of his correspondence. The key lines that are familiar or very similar to the words that he is known for today are, How beautiful is death when earned by virtue! Who would not be that youth? What pity it is that we can die but once to serve our country. In 1985, Nathan Hale was designated as the official state hero of Connecticut. And I want to thank Wikipedia and the Dreamer website, which is written by Rachel Smith. She is the assistant to the state historian for the University of Connecticut. And I'm going to include the links to both of these in our blog so that if you want to read a little bit more about Nathan Hale and his role in history, you can do so. And I think they used the... uh the cat analogy quite well to uh, get to. I only regret that I have but one life to lose. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they did, didn't they? All right. We do have some feedback, even though we were on a short turnaround. And we have some audio from our bestie, Justina. Yeah, and thank you, Justina, for getting that in. Shall we listen to that, Steve? Let's listen. Okay. Hi, Marvin, Steve. It's so great to be back with you both. That episode was pretty awesome. I give that episode 8 out of 10 episodes full of mirrors. There was literal mirrors, storyline mirrors, image mirrors. It was chock full. I do think Abby would want Ichabod to focus on Pandora and the Hidden One. Especially now that we know Sleepy Hollow will be hosting a demon convention. Abby made her sacrifice to save Jenny. But she also did it to save the town, because if that stone would have been allowed to explode without going into the tree, it would have caused mass damage. Abby is really resourceful. I think that she'll be okay in this alternate dimension for a little while, while Crane and Jenny and the gang figure out the problems right at their front door in Sleepy Hollow. 
Plus, I think time is moving slower where Abby is because they said she's been missing a month. And when they showed Abby at the end of the episode, she had just woke up. So I think that time is moving much slower where she is. And I thought the flashbacks with Betsy Ross were very meaningful this week. And the man that was hung that they couldn't save because that would have exposed the mission. I think it helped Crane focus and realize that he also only has one life. And he, if he rushes in to save Abby, he might lose his life. And therefore, Abby will not be saved and Sleepy Hollow will be in major danger from the demons. So this is Justina signing out and advising Ichabod to read the instructions on the box before trying to prepare frozen lasagna in a frying pan. Have a great week. Well, that was some great feedback as always, Justina. Yeah, Justina, thank you so much for always making the deadline and getting things into us. Yes, we really appreciate it. Eight episodes full of mirrors. That's a great rating. And and yes. she's right. I mean, this this was completely about mirrors and looking at the mirror. And, I'm, and I, you have to wonder if perhaps some of this, too, was looking at yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror. Who are you really and what are you really doing? Yes. Yeah. I think we did see quite a bit of that with not only Crane, as he seems to have re-anchored himself at the end of the episode, but also with Jenny and actually bringing down the wall just enough to admit her feelings. Yeah, and I think that Justina was right about this, too, that Abby would want Crane to focus on the hidden one and Pandora. Uh, You know, I think she's right on target about that, because this is the mission that they were sent to do as witnesses. And Abby has reinforced that several times. And it did help Crane focus on what he had to do, that he has one life, just Mm -hmm. like Nathan Hale had one life. And what are you going to do with your one life. How do you make a difference? Yes, which definitely ties back to the flashback, which we discussed quite thoroughly here and how important we think it's going to play in future episodes. Yes. And yes, it's very possible that Abby could be out of time where she is, where time passes more slowly than uh, it does in our world. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to see. Yeah, and I think we'll get the answer to that relatively quickly. Probably probably next week. All right. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and the season so far. So please send us your feedback and theories. We want to welcome our new followers on Twitter as well as Facebook. And thanks for all the retweets, favorites, and interactions. This week's shout-outs go to Michelle McKeever, Bimini, Marvelous, Molly McLaughlin, Keely McDonald and Jessica Camacho. Excellent. Thank you so much. And if you want to get in touch with us, which you would need to do to leave us feedback, our voicemail number is 304-837-2278, or you can go to the goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback, where you can use the SpeakPipe widget on the side of the page to record some audio, or you can type out your feedback on the form, and you can even attach your own audio feedback. You can record it on your mobile device. Now, our feedback deadline is Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and we know that's a very fast turnaround now that the show has moved to Friday nights, but we want to make sure that we get this podcast out quickly to you, so we're still recording on Saturdays. You can also follow us on Facebook, Witness Prophecies, or you can find us on Twitter at WitnessProfGSM, at Steve Salyer, at Tanger14. 
All right, it's the time of the episode where we get to our visions of the future, so... Run. Run quickly. Run fast, as if a demon is after you. All right, episode 10, which will air February 12th, Incident at Stone Manor. Jenny takes a huge risk. Hmm, sounds familiar. To get to the bottom of Abby's disappearance on an all-new episode of Sleepy Hollow, Friday, February 12th on Fox. In the quest to save Abby, Crane and Sophie are forced to battle a supernatural force targeting the citizens of Sleepy Hollow, while Pandora and the Hidden One only grow stronger. Meanwhile, in an effort to find out what truly happened to her sister, Jenny faces an old foe, her father. Wow. Interesting. That will be quite the episode. Yes, it will. So we're going to get introduced to Daddy Mills. Finally. This will be great. Uh, we've, yes, we've, it will. Because yeah, we've seen, what well, we've seen the pictures of him, right? And this will be fantastic. Yes. And see what Daddy's all about. Will he have some important information that may help them retrieve Abby? He might. And I, because I remember we've speculated before that maybe he knows something about the monsters and the demons. Maybe he's Mm -hmm. seen them and maybe he couldn't take it. Or maybe he's helping them in some way. Right. Which I think that we sort of dismissed after the, after the last discussion about, about him. But I guess time will tell. And then after that. Sooner than later. (laughs) Yes, it will be very interesting to see. And then. After that, episode 11, which will air on February the 19th, is called Kindred Spirits. Abby and Crane face an unexpected blast from the past on an all-new Sleepy Hollow. Okay, so that makes me feel good because it says Abby and Crane. Maybe she'll come back faster than we think because I was expecting her by the end of February, but this would imply that she's back before that, unless they're teasing us. And notice the name of the episode. Yes, Kindred Spirits. Spirits. (laughs) Very nice. That's like buddies and partners. Soulmates. Something else, too. Yeah, and something else, too. (laughs) As Abby Crane and Jenny struggle to find normalcy, uh the kindred reemerges as a new threat, indeed, while the team attempts to figure out why the kindred has turned to evil. Crane finds that his romantic encounters with Zoe may have caused long-lasting trouble in the new, all-new Kindred Spirits episode of Sleepy Hollow. Okay, so there are a couple twists in here. First, the Kindred is back, okay, (laughs) which is a humdinger. Then they're talking about Crane with Zoe. And now I predicted last fall that Zoe may go the way of the dinosaur, right? Because maybe she got a little too close to crane and the monsters it's all i'm doing is predicting that people are going to get killed off (laughs) that this is a really bad habit that i have i do that to other shows too i've got to stop that i don't want all these people to really die but she could be held she could be kidnapped right yes so again if he finds that his romantic encounters with her may have caused long-lasting trouble or maybe she's a crazy stalker woman although she hasn't come across that way so far yeah or she's evil Or she's a witch. That's a possibility. And mm, long-lasting trouble. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's evil. All right. She's not dead. She's just evil. Yeah. Crane. But anyway, Zoe will be back. Well, you can't blame it all on Crane because Abby pushed him toward her. That's true. But then the shippers are going to be so unhappy because you're going to have Sophie around. 
you're going to have Zoe around and they're going to be like, ah, right? Yes. Yeah. And you can interpret long lasting trouble as a little crane. No, I no, he wouldn't do that. He's too <laughs> much of a gentleman. No, I'm not. He's a gentleman and he wouldn't go there. No. Okay, good. No, no, you're not spoiling my image of of Ichabod Crane. I'm not letting you do that. Good. Fine. Okay. I I hope you're absolutely right there, but when I read that I went, "No, please don't go there." <laughs> All right. So y- you we can go from there then to episode 12 and we're just going <laughs> to bypass that part of the discussion. <laughs> All right. Episode 12, February 26th, Sins of the Father, Atticus Nevins returns. What? On an all-new Sleepy Hollow Friday, February 26th, when Jenny makes the decision to confront her father, family turmoil from the past rises to the surface. Meanwhile, Atticus Nevins returns to town, bringing more danger than the FBI could have imagined in the all-new Sins of the Father. Okay, so again, this is where I say all of my theories are wrong. I thought Atticus Nevins last fall had evaporated to a puddle of blood and was gone for good. Uh, Clearly, again, I am wrong. (laughs) Well, that's just got to (laughs) be Pandora's doing. Well, she's the one who sucked the blood out of him for crying out loud. But she's got control over it now. Oh, maybe so she she's got to be the one that brings him back. Yeah, you're right. You are right on. And then we're going to see Daddy Dearest again. Yes. So that'll be nice, I think, because then Abby may be confronting her father as well, provided Abby is back, which we kind of think that she will be. Yeah, it looks that way. So, yes, it will be interesting because it does say sins of the father. Mm-hmm, it does. So could it actually be that? Daddy Mills is bad? Mm. Or that he was associated with Atticus Nevins. Oh, Which, yeah. again, which we, we speculated on that, I think, previously. Yes, we did. Yeah, that yes, was one did. of my theories, so that's got to be wrong. <laughs> but did you look down here in the guest list, at the very bottom of that guest cast, to see who else was going to be joining us for that episode? Right. Anthony K. Hyatt and Alexander Ward. Uh-huh. So Randall, Randall is coming back. So hopefully that will give Jenny yet one more opportunity to pick his posterior again, which I enjoy seeing so much. Yes. Yeah. It was so nice to see her just play him like a fiddle. Oh, it was. It's fantastic. And then we have, what, the names of two more episodes for March 4th and March 11th, even though we don't have any information on them yet, Dark Mirror and Into the Wild. So what that tells us then is that we're going to have, let's see, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So that's six episodes in a row. Right. Which is very nice. Uh, yes. Because I have no idea what the rest of the schedule is for this year. No, not yet. But not taking a break in March after February sweeps is over is is very nice indeed. So I'm wondering if they're going to pretty much run these almost all the way through the season to completion. Let's hope so. Yep. Yeah, I would like to see that a continuity. And if they have to take a break, if it's only two weeks, maybe max, I'm okay with that. But yeah, I like right. the fact we're going to get a nice string of them all in a row. Yes, that is nice to have at least six in a row yep. at minimum. Yep. And don't forget the Sleepy Hollow Creating Heroes, Demons, and Monsters. The official making of book is out now by the absolutely marvelous Tara Bennett and Paul Terry. If you haven't ordered your copies yet, 
Swing on by the goldenspiralmedia.com webpage, click on our Amazon link, and get it now, because it's good. It is, because we just reviewed it in our last podcast, and we both thoroughly enjoyed the book. Yes, we did. Yeah, you'll want this one. And speaking of reviewing, please review and rate us on iTunes with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us as there are other Sleepy Hollow podcasts out there. To subscribe in iTunes to any GSM podcast, go to goldenspiralmedia.com backslash iTunes. Tell your friends and hope you're enjoying our podcast. And once again, don't forget to check out our Amazon links. Well, this has been a fun episode, I think, Steve. And Yes, it is. And if anybody is going to be in the Dallas area next weekend, swing by the Irving Convention Center and check out Dallas Comic-Con Fan Days. We have quite a lot of big stars coming next weekend. We have Stephen Amell and Katie Cassidy and Robbie Amell and... Danielle Panabaker and Sean Pertwee and David Mazou and the list just goes on and on and on of all the people. John Berriman's going to be here again. He loved, Both Stephen and John love it here. They keep coming back. And that's great. <laughs> well, that sounds like a great event and certainly an opportunity for many fans to get out and support and see some of their favorite cast members. Absolutely. And I will be there. So... You want to let me know you're going to be there and meet up, send us a tweet, send us a message on Facebook. I'd love to meet you. I've already kind of had a bit of a conversation with one of the uh, fans over on Central City Underground about going. So hope to see uh, some sleepyheads there as well. That's wonderful. Yeah, it'd be fun if, uh, Steve, you got a picture of some of the the sleepy heads and you could post it on the witness prophecies page so everybody right. look for steve and get your picture front and center on witness prof gsm facebook page absolutely and steve this will- is steve and if the lieutenant were here she would say something tough yet encouraging of which i would wholeheartedly concur she's very good at that and this is barb signing out and i'm going grocery shopping so that i have something better than frozen lasagna for my dinner <laughs> See you next week, sleepyheads.